There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Together we'll stand, divided we'll fall. Come on now people, let's get on the ball and work together. Come on, come on, let's work together. Now now people, because together we Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses your stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. So a few years ago, a guy we both used to work with, the amazing Jim Haig, a former features editor at the Virginian Pilot, asked me to help him on a presentation for a journalism conference. He wanted us to talk about instilling a culture for success. So we ping-ponged ideas, and we came up with some categories to represent things we thought were crucial. So we're going to talk about that today. Today's topic is newsroom culture. I should say, before we dive in, that Jim's theory and mine is that we're all responsible for making our newsrooms better places to work. And if you don't have the right culture, it's really hard to do the kind of work that you're going to be proud of. So um, here, we're going to talk about some of the things that I... I think are important to it. And Lane's going to riff with me. Um, I think it's especially important now because there's so much downsizing and uh, everyone has to have, take a share of that kind of creating the dynamic that you want in your newsroom, because it's, it's just not going to come top down. Maybe like you, you, you hoped it would, or you expect that it would. Um, so again, here's what we're going to talk about. Some categories of things that I, I'd like to always be thinking about and, um, and in, in, in how you do your day-to-day. So, uh, number one, everyone's not the same, which seems like a real generalization, but I think acknowledging and appreciating the fact that um, people bring different things to the table. Like, I know everyone is not going to be Lane to Gregory, nor do they want to be, nor should they be, right? Because, well, shit, that would be bad, <laughs> No, that would be great, but that would be bad, right? Because you want to have a mix of people in the room. But um, I think it's on all of us to appreciate the people who work there and the and the contributions that they make. Right? And a lot of people I don't, they just don't get recognized. Well, I think something that you're really, uh, I know from the very beginning, we, we talked about this a little bit. When you chose your first narrative team, you were looking for four very, very different people. Right. You know, Didn't tw- want the same kind of person. 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and even now, you've inherited a team, but we're all pretty different uh, in terms of what our interests are, but also our abilities. And I think, too, that you something that you've really um, taught me is that just because you have all these great ideas doesn't mean you don't have to do, you have to be the one to do them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mm-hmm. some people that can do certain ideas that I have better than I can do it. And so, you know, having an editor and a newsroom where it's okay to go, hey, maybe you should give this, hand this off to somebody else, you yeah. know. Knowing, you, hey, you know who would be great at this? Exactly. And um, and appreciating that, right? And appreciating, I mean, I think I think we're lucky we work in a newsroom where there's, there is that, that spirit. Uh, there's a lot of people... Um, congratulating other people about the work they do and and really patting them on the back publicly. 
Um, but that's important. I mean, that builds the kind of culture that makes you feel like you're valued for what you do, whatever it is that you do. And people are noticing. Um, I think journalism is a team sport. And so, um, I mean, I, that's one thing I've always loved about this profession. I don't know about you, but like that, that it's, you're not in a vacuum. There are so many people who really to get, uh, when Lane's working on a story, it's obviously a lot of it is going to rest on her and what, and the ability she has and what she's going to bring back, but pulling it all together Geez, that takes that takes a village and more sometimes, right? Well, and I know that's one of the things that people in the newsroom talked about when you got here, Maria, because we we, you know, we've had some really strong editors in this newsroom, but we'd also had a lot of turnover in in the years before you came here, and you know, not only in the the, the worker bees people, but in the management people that used to bring people together. And Maria, from the very beginning, you know, reached out and brought in designers and copy editors and photographers and videographers and marketing people, you know, to like say, here, here's this big thing we're working on by the end of the year. It's not time for you to do your thing yet, you know, but we want you to know what we're doing. So then all of a sudden, all those people got invested and they cared. It wasn't just like, hey, can you make a map by Sunday? <laughs> you know, it was like, let's conceptualize this thing early on ahead of time and everybody got a piece of it and everybody felt like they cared and, and were invested in it. I think, I mean, I, I really have always loved that about journalism and back when we were only a, a paper and not an online operation, you know, and thinking about the people who we deliver the paper, I mean, they don't deliver the paper, then all of your hard work is for nothing. Right. So we really are this sort of organism that, um, it just kind of, it, everybody's got to do their thing for it to work. And every, and, and if everybody's really good and doing their thing really well, I mean, what a great, what a great thing to do to come to work every day and have that kind of, uh, creativity and, and, and people excited about the work that you're trying to do and trying to help you to do it better. I mean, um, and not everybody's in the job here that they want for right now. So I think you do an amazing job about asking, especially the younger people, like, where do you want to be in three or four years? Like, you're doing great at what you're doing here, but what do you really want to do? Yeah. Um, another thing that Jim and I came up with is a thing to think about is to, to take risks, right? Um, that a lot of newsrooms, actually, a lot of our coverage uh, as an industry, I think, falls back into sort of, the routine. We can do the routine really well. We can do the things that we expect to do really well. You know, there's a plane crash. We're all going to race there. We're going to do these sort of normal things. So, but what are you doing week in and week out, month in and month out that's different, that's going to get somebody's attention? Um, of course, you love to do that. <laughs> I just like something to shake it up and surprise you a little bit. And, I, and I've always loved the idea about newspapers. If it doesn't work out, there's another one tomorrow. Exactly, you know, right? It's like you're not spending your whole year on this and then going to make it or break it. But I don't know. I mean, I, I ran into people early in my career who just would get so freaked out about, oh, you can't do that or that's not going to work or why would you do that? It's like, who cares? I mean, think about all the boring shit we do and nobody pays attention to it and people don't obsess over the fact that, you know, and now we can see on online, okay, so six people read that story, but we did it anyway. Right. right? And I think readers like to be surprised. You know what I mean? Even if it doesn't always work, it's like, at least you tried, you know, at least you made someone like notice. So we've talked a lot about Lincoln shot, of course, but I think it's pretty amazing. And I, this was, this happened before I got here, but that I, I stepped in here, you'd already been reporting for a year and a half. I mean, what kind of, what kind of paper lets somebody 
report for three years. Especially we didn't age. know what the ending was going right. to be. Or to, when the ending was going to be. <laughs> even more importantly, you don't know what the ending is going to be, but go ahead keep reporting. Just keep reporting. And then you you also, when I came here, you would, were working on The House on the Corner, which was a story we've talked about where it was done in dialogue, pretty much. The entire story was sort of set in dialogue. Um, I did one when I first started working here. Um, I heard the song that uh, Mark Knopfler had sung with Amy Lou Harris called This Is Us. And it was basically them flipping through a photo album. And so I wrote one about um, friendship with Elizabeth, actually, Elizabeth Teal, uh, who used to work with us. And I, I told it through all the photos that we had from college and post-college and weddings and kids. And, you know, each each paragraph was about a photo. So, it, you know, an alt format. I love alt formats. Yeah, yeah. We Earl, Earl used to do a lot of those. Earl Swift we worked with. He, he told one from the beginning, from the end to the beginning, right? He did right. one all in footnotes. He I did remember. a whole story that had footnotes. Um, yeah, which, which I hate footnotes, but the footnotes were as entertaining as the story. Um, just thinking outside the box yeah. and sort of, a lot of those I think came from batting them around with other, um, people on staff too. Like, what do you think about this? We had a, when Lane and I were in Virginia and we had a team that was responsible for a Sunday A1 feature every week and it was called the Sunday Spotlight, which that was not our choice on the name or the goal, but the goal was to write something Uplifting. And it was before Spotlight, the Boston Globe. It was before Spotlight. It was not anywhere <laughs> near what the Boston Globe does with Spotlight. But anyway, the goal was to do a short narrative on the Sunday front page and to be uplifting, if at all possible. And we immediately ruled out uh, 100-year-olds, anybody with a disability. You know, we didn't want to do Kids those. Kids with cancer. Yes, we didn't want to do any of those things. But so we, we ended up challenging ourselves a lot to, um, like, one of the challenges was who was going to write the shortest one. And then one of the challenges was who was going to write about an inanimate object. I mean, you know, it became like these goals. The shortest one, um, Diane Tennant, God love her. She wrote a 110-inch story. 110, I'm sorry, a 110-word story. And she walks into my office. She goes, I win. <laughs> Wasn't it about an acorn? It was about a tree in a park named a tree in a park that had a plaque on the bottom for a World War I soldier. So it was this nice, you know, and of course, a lot of people in the newsroom were like, what the hell is this? You know, like, what? It's like, who cares? Like, right. I mean, like, is the world going to end because you tried something different? So uh, I like to, so we put on the screen and you like this too, right? I said, what if the goal in every newsroom was to captivate? If the goal was to captivate your audience, what would you do differently? What choices would you make differently? I just love that word. Such a good mission statement. Well, and it's and you know and and you know the synonyms for captivate, enthrall, charm, enchant, bewitch, fascinate, beguile, entrance, enrapture, delight. I mean, like, I I have this theory that the internet isn't the only thing that hurt our industry, right? I think we got complacent. I think we felt like people had to read the news, and when they started getting all these other options out there, okay, maybe they had to read the news, but they didn't have to read us, right? So. What are you doing? What are you doing in your newsroom that stands out, that's just different? Well, and especially because I think the young reporters now are doing two or three people's jobs, you know, what used to be two or three people's jobs back right. in our day. So the time to sit, and you're filing on deadline, you know, every couple hours for the web. You're not, like, going out and having a beer after you're done reporting and thinking about it and kvetching about it with right. your coworkers and then coming back and finessing it. So I think more, even if it's just a matter of, like, keeping yourself from being bored or going to autopilot, you know, having one thing that surprises you or surprises your newsroom, you know. 
Although I think that's also an advantage they have. It's a disadvantage and an advantage because in our day, we had to write every damn thing that happened. Like you were, if you were on a beat, they made you write about shit that was boring all the time. I mean, you had to write, I had to write bullet points from a meeting. So I'd have to write the meeting story and then, oh, another action bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, right? And there was, so you're, you were a little locked in to this process, to being the sort of the paper of record. So I always tell young reporters, they don't have to do that anymore, right? You do have the freedom to say, like, in a lot of places, I think it's still driven by the reporter's interest, the photographer's interest. What do they want to write, write and cover? Um, and so it's like, you don't have to feel dutiful sometimes. You just get like, what, what's going to be the most... Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It's an interesting thing you could do. Well, and even if your editor's demanding three stories a day, make sure one of them you do something to interest yourself. Right. You know, you can feed the goat and satisfy the needs of the, the newspaper and the organization and still do something that rocks your own boat. Right. You know? Right. Um, and you should. Um, so another one that Jim and I talked about was figuring out your identity as a newsroom, Right. And I think a lot of places struggle to do that, especially um, consciously, to sort of think about what are you trying to be? So think about um, the Washington Post. What are they now? Democracy dies in darkness. I mean, it's, it's pretty heady. It, some might say they're kind of full it's of themselves. Very self-important. <laughs> but but it, is, it is a mission, right? And they're defining it, and they're saying to the world, this is what our, we're about. I think at the Tampa Bay Times, here, um, we're, we're all about great stories. I mean, I, I think the minute I walked in here to interview, and probably you did too, right? And Marta, to you. I mean, that's what people, I mean, they know that when you pick up a story here, people have put a lot of time and effort, and it's going to be well-crafted, and it's going to be smart. Um, I think that's the culture here. And that's, and that's not something that any of us created initially, but I think we all contribute to it. You know, we, we buy into it and we nurture it and we, um, you know, we kind of embrace it. Well, I know I'm not just speaking for myself too when I say a lot of reporters at this paper came here because of that, because of that right. reputation. You can go there and tell stories. They will give you the time and the tools and the feedback to, to tell stories, not just report news. But, and then, so think about your own newsrooms and, and the product you're putting out, whether it's online or in print. Like, how would you describe it? How would you describe the place you work? And if the descriptors are not things that really excite you <laughs> or they don't make you proud, then, like, what can you do to make a difference? What, and, you know, even having that conversation, I think, um, I just don't think we do that enough uh, in, d- in different newsrooms. We kind of get caught up in in the day-to-day swirl and not sort of stepping back. Um, I was in Houston before Tampa and I felt like that was one of those conversations we were always trying to have is like at the Chronicle, what, like, what do we want to be? I mean, who are we trying to be? What do we want this newsroom to represent? So um, I think those are great conversations to have, especially if you don't feel that sense of identity. 
And I think there's places and times to try it where you almost can't fail. Like I think it's 30 years later, it still completely confounds me that we will go up to like December 15th and go, oh my God, it's Christmas. What are we doing for Christmas? You know what I mean? Like if, if there was somebody Bumbling, bumbling of, could be your identity. Right? If there was somebody who would be like, okay, we're going to knock out the 12 biggest holidays of this year. Let's think of something really different to do for Mother's Day this year. You know, you could jump off a, a high dive and not make a splash and you know, I, I just think that's a place we could try some of these off-the-wall things, or the right. things you have to cover annually anyway, so why not try to do something real off-base? Well, and then and then, and then if that's going to be your thing, or d- too, you're like, what's the bigger, broader, like, what are you trying to do? If you're trying to cover your community really well, and your community, what's the thing that you, really speaks to your community? You know, think think it through and kind of give yourself an identity, right? And, and what pieces of the community aren't being covered? I mean, I, I think it's pretty sad that some days you can wake up and look at the paper and not know we're surrounded by water right you know like what who's who's out there on the boats you know like what pieces of your community do, do no one does no one cover right so go back back to the post i mean they're in washington dc so that you know you can understand why they gave themselves that motto because of where they are and what in what their purpose is right um another thing you know teach and learn uh i think that uh, I feel like I'm, so I'm 56 years old. I feel like I'm still learning how to do my job and how to get better at my job. And um, if you don't feel that way, if you've stopped learning, if you feel like you're not growing, then you're never going to get as much out of this business as you can. And right now you can't get a lot out of this business. You're not going to make a shit ton of money. You're not going to have a lot of job security. So, um, you know, Taking in and learning from the people you work with and helping them too, I mean, that's a lot of fun. I mean, it's still, it's like, um, I, I love being surrounded by all these crazy, smart people who you could have a conversation with around a story and you'll have, you know, all these amazing ideas coming your way that you wouldn't have thought of. Um, so do you have brown bags? Do you have after work, you know, do you go out and drink every once in a while and just compare ideas? You know, do you talk about the latest story from an Eli Saslow or David Fahrenholt and you say, wow, did you read that? I mean, you know, that kind of conversation is valuable. Well, we just started something here, um, which I think is a pretty cool idea. If you guys can pitch this in your newsrooms, uh, Leonora Lapeter Anton, who's been on our podcast before, we were talking about mentors and she said, I, I need, I need a 20 something mentor. And, Maria and her kind of came up with this idea like mentor up and mentor down. So the three of us older ersters on our enterprise team now have each a 20 something year old reporter and they're going to help us with social media and branding and and we're going to help them with the records requests and interviewing and things like that. So I think that's, that's kind of a cool little informal program. And the, and the win beyond that, I mean, so there's the obvious win, right? You help each other. But you also create relationships, and and that too, I mean, makes you feel more connected to a newsroom, right? Absolutely. So. And and my twenty-something reporter already now has a teen-something reporter because a girl from the University of South Florida, who wanted to shadow me to cover meetings and stories, I said I don't really do that anymore, but talk to Megan. And so now Megan has her own mentee in college age. So each one reach one, right? That's awesome. So a um, couple more things to think about. Um, so this is an awful word, and I know people bristle at this word, but discipline, discipline, 
discipline. Um, in, a, in a time when, when we've all gotten smaller, these newsrooms have gotten smaller, if you aspire to do really big things or you try to do important work that's going to be meaningful to you, um, you, can, you just can't get anything done unless you try, <laughs> unless you're disciplined. And if you work for people who are not disciplined, it doesn't mean that you can't impose some discipline. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm an editor because I, I spoke up too much and started <laughs> trying to tell people how to do shit before I was an editor. Right. Um, but you can, right. Because it's, most places are smaller now and everybody's important to the process. So if you, if, you see that things are not getting done or you're not, um, it's just not going the way it should. Really, there's nothing stopping you anymore from saying, okay, I'll take the lead on that. Um, and you can sit on the sidelines and complain about what's happening, but that's not going to make you happy. You know, um, I was having a conversation with a reporter the other day, a young reporter who was sort of waiting for somebody to define what his role was going to be. And I was like, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> There's just no, we don't have time. You know, people don't do that. They Get don't own bootstraps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so anyway, think, you know, that's, uh, anybody can take the lead. Anybody can lead. You can lead from the front lines. Um, so finally, one of the things that, um, Jim and I talk about when we do, when we do this talk is about having fun and reminding yourself to have fun because it is a high pressure prof- profession. There's a lot of stuff that you feel, I know you feel a tremendous amount of responsibility with each and every story. And we talk about it. We purposely talk, like we talk about the people that you're writing about and doing justice to their story. And there's a lot of pressure in that. The audience, the readers. Yeah, There's a lot of pressure, right, in doing the stories that are going to get a lot of hits. (laughs) There's a lot of pressure in doing uh, the kind of work that's going to win awards. Um, But at the same time, you you do have to remind yourself that there aren't a lot of professions like ours that are really, that it's fun to come to work. And, and so what can you do to make it fun? I mean, we are a really creative bunch of people. And so if your newsroom's not having a lot of fun, look around and see what you can do here. There's a quote wall. It's one of the first things I noticed. You walk into the times newsroom and there's all these obscene, crazy quotes from people. They're not all obscene, sorry. And, uh, but they're fun, right? And they've just taken up a whole wall at, at the Chronicle. Um, we used to have, my reporters had an insecurity jar and they drop coins into it when they were doing a story or a project. It was like, Oh, I suck today. So I'm throwing it in. Um, you know, what can you do? What can you do? We decorated cubicles for the holidays. We had contests, you know, among our pod versus news pod versus feature pod. You know, we've, we've done brown bags. People seem to like to come to those. We yeah. have, um, I think you brought this back, right? Our, our quarterly contest. Well, the the senior leadership here brought back sort of the awards like to in house awards, and we have a potluck in the newsroom every couple months, which is so fun because you get to like hang out with your colleagues for an hour or so and celebrate a lot of the work that they celebrate is unheralded otherwise. And brown bags, anybody can do that. Anybody can decide to do it. You can do it with three people. You can do it with two people if you want. I mean, you can just get started on saying, "Hey, does anybody want to get together and talk about something about you know some story they read?" Um, but again, I mean, I I think. It, I think culture is very important to a newsroom success. And I don't think it gets talked enough about. I don't think people spend much time thinking about what underlies or, you know, what's, what's, what's really happening in a lot of places. Um, so what have I left out? What no, if I, I forgot? The fun part's important because I think especially a lot of the young reporters who are doing two or three or four stories a day forget that 
oh my God, I just am really curious about, you know, the cow insemination uh, booth at the county fair. Like, okay, go. Like, I, I can't ever, I don't ever really remembering a story that I really, really felt passionate about that I wanted to do or that I was curious about doing that someone didn't say, sure, try it. You yeah. know, take an hour, take a day, let's try it. Well, I'm sure it hasn't gotten old for you. I remember it never got old for me to just see my name on a story that somebody somebody um, paid me to do this work. Absolutely. And, and as long as your curiosity is still there, that's the biggest thing of all. What are yeah. you wondering about when you wake up in the morning? You know, yeah. go f- I mean, Susan Taylor Martin, we could hear her on a podcast here, but she had a great business story on the Sunday feature front that was like, what are they building here? Yeah. And she just kind of drove around Tampa Bay and showed you all these big, well, I've been wondering that. You right. know, she's just curious. Right. Right. It's fun. So make it a better newsroom wherever you are and uh, don't wait for somebody else to do it. Right. Um, so that's the lesson from today. And remember how lucky we are to have this job. Exactly. We love this job. <laughs> All right. If you have a question for Lane or want to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. Join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Marta Asensio Rhine. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.